Jai Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Gopi Janabalaba Get it, but it's Gopi Janabalaba Get it, but it's Yashodanandana Braja Janaranjana Yamunajira Vanachari Jai Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Gopi Janabalaba Get it, but it's hardy. Gopi Janabalaba. Get it, but it's hardy. Yashoda Nandana Braja Janaranjana Yamunachira Vanachari Yamunachira Vana Chari Jai Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Jayam Vishabam Zabadarajikajaya Astatelisata Sisi Madesi Bhukti Vedanta Sami Maharaj Sila Prabhupadhi Jayam Vishabam Zabadarajikajaya Astatelisata Sisi Mad Bhukti Siddhanta Sajita Gaur Prabhupadhi Gora Premanandi Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 6, Chapter 16, King Chittaketu Meets the Lord, Text 52. Loke Vitatamatmanam Lokam Chatmani Santatam Ubayam chamaya vyaptam 
Loke, in this material world, vittatam, expanded in the spirit of material enjoyment. Atmanam, the living entity, lokam, the material world, cha, also, atmani, in the living entity, santatam, Spread, ubayam, both the material world of material elements and the living entity. Cha and maya by me, vyaptam pervaded, mai in me, cha also, eva indeed, ubayam, both of them. Kritam created. Translation. 
in this world of matter, which the conditioned soul accepts as consisting of enjoyable resources, the conditioned soul expands, thinking that he is the enjoyer of the material world. Similarly, the material world expands into living entity as a source of enjoyment. In this way, they both expand, but because they are my energies, they are both pervaded by me. As the Supreme Lord, I am the cause of these effects, and one should know that both of them rest in me. Purport. The Mayavad philosophy sees everything as being equal in quality with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, or the Supreme Brahman, and therefore sees everything as worshipable. This dangerous theory of the Mayavad school has turned people in general toward atheism. On the strength of this theory, one thinks that he is God, but this is not a fact. As stated in Bhagavad Gita, Maya tatang idang sarvam jagat avyakta murtina. The fact is that the entire cosmic manifestation is an expansion of the Supreme Lord's energies, which are manifested in the physical elements and the living entities. The living entities wrongly consider the physical elements to be resources meant for their enjoyment and they think themselves to be the enjoyers. However, neither of them is independent. They are both energies of the Lord. <clears throat> the original cause for the material energy and spiritual energy is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. However, although the expansion of the Lord's energies is the original cause, one should not think that the Lord himself has expanded in different ways. To condemn the theories of the Mayavadis, the Lord clearly says in Bhagavad Gita, Matstani Sarvabhutani Nachaham All beings are in me, but I am not in them. Everything rests upon him, and everything is but an expansion of his energies, but this does not mean that everything is as worshipable as the Lord himself. The material expansion is temporary, but the Lord is not temporary. The living entities are parts of the Lord, but they are not the Lord himself. The living entities in the material world are not inconceivable, but the Lord is. The theory that the Lord's energies, being expansions of the Lord, are as good as the Lord is mistaken. Translation again. In this world of matter, which the conditioned soul accepts as consisting of enjoyable resources, the conditioned soul expands, thinking he is the enjoyer of the material world. Similarly, the material world expands in the living entity as a source of enjoyment. In this way, they both expand, but because they are my energies, they are both pervaded by me. As the Supreme Lord, I am the cause of these effects, and one should know that both of them rest in me. Om.
megene timerandasya gananjana shalakaya chakshur militang yena tasmai shri gurave namaha jai shri krishna chaitanya prabhu nityananda shri advaita gadadhara shivasadi gorabhaktavinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. These are instructions given by Lord Sankarshan. Remember, Chitraketu, by following the instructions of Narada Muni, especially, and Angira Muni, has recited his mantra. And in a week, he has seen Lord Anantadev, or Lord Sankarshan. So, pleased by Chitraketu's practice, his spiritual practice, the Lord has appeared. And Chitraketu is complimented because of his following the instructions of Narada Muni. How is it that Krishna can appear to us when we are so filled as conditioned souls with the desire to enjoy material nature? As stated here, Loke vittatam atmanam. Vittatam. <clears throat> we expand our material life. We make it complicated. We make it more involved and intricate because of our enjoying spirit. It's very difficult for people to actually practice simple living, which means interact with the material nature minimally while focusing on your main purpose in life, which is to revive your Krishna consciousness. Originally, we're all nitya siddha, but we have deviated from our original constitutional position and therefore in a desire to imitate Krishna, we are interacting with the material world. And that interaction with the material world is dynamic from both sides. As we hear in this verse, the conditioned soul expands, thinking he is the enjoyer of the material world. Similarly, the material world expands in the living entity as a source of enjoyment. In this way, they both expand. So this conditioned life is quite a dynamic process. So we march through the forest of material enjoyment, as explained in the previous canto, the fifth canto, and we're expanding our desires. You can't be satisfied, because as long as we are susceptible, we are prone to be influenced by the mode of passion, then we can't be satisfied. But because we also become influenced by the mode of ignorance, we forget that we can't be satisfied. 
So our life is basically a combination of the mode of passion and the mode of ignorance expanding, and that has caused all of our problems. In Sattva Guna, we can have some clarity, but in the material world, mode of goodness, Sattva Guna is always challenged. The modes of nature are rotating, they're fluctuating. One mode of nature sometimes dominates another. So we don't have a secure footing in this material world, even in the mode of goodness. Although the mode of goodness is the best material stepping stone to spiritual life. But simply the mode of goodness in of itself doesn't guarantee a transcendental position unless there is devotional service mixed in at least as a subordinate, what to speak of as the dominant factor. At some point, this means that at some point in our spiritual life, our journey through material existence, more precisely, at some point in our journey through material existence, we need to encounter devotional service and engage in devotional service. That facility comes because of the association of devotees. We were explaining the other day about Shraddha, faith. How Shraddha has its beginning and it has its completion. Its beginning is when you start associating with devotees and you start to think, this looks nice, this looks good, this looks like what I could be looking for. Or this is like what my grandparents taught me, but I never paid attention when they were talking about it. So that little beginning, that tip of the iceberg is Shraddha. But it's not Shraddha or faith in its full form. So we explained a few days ago that Shraddha in its full form is described by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Shraddha Shabde Vishwash Kohe Shudrajam Nishchoy Krishna Bhakti Kaile Sarva Karma Kritahoy. When you have the undoubted, firm conviction that simply by engaging in Krishna's service, all other purposes and goals will be taken care of. That is the full-blown Shraddha. So remember, it starts off very tinily in the beginning. I think this is nice. I think devotees are nice. Let me go to a Bhakti Riksha gathering. Let me go to a home program. Let me see. There's something that could be there for me. <laughs> I was just thinking, yesterday I had to go somewhere to a justice of peace to get some documents certified. So I was, I was wearing regular clothes, non-devotional clothes. So the devotee who took me there in St. Kilda Bhagavad Kata and I were 
we had to wait for the notary public, for the justice of peace to appear. So we were standing in front of a doorway on the footpath, and it was St. Kilda, so there were quite a few persons walking by. And we were just talking as people walked by, and we were standing in front of the doors to the, at the entryway to the building, waiting for, because the Justice of Peace told us, I'm, wait outside for me, I'll come down. So we were just waiting there, and then we were just talking, and I just, I just casually and just didn't make a big thing about it. I just, and then out of the people walking by, someone said, Hare Krishna. <laughs> I was very surprised. I, I, just, I, just, I was just like you're breathing, you know, I just, Hare. <laughs> and then someone looks up, Hare Krishna. <laughs> That's the beginning of their, of their shraddha. And the super soul in the heart takes note. Ah, you have heard and you have responded. <laughs> Maybe it'll take several lifetimes for that spark to increase into a blaze. But so many of you could have started like that in previous lifetimes. Sometimes I'm on the airplane, all the time I'm on the airplane. <laughs> and, and the luggage is, the carry-ons are in the overhead rack and maybe it's not directly above my seat. And so someone will just see me looking at the carry, as the, after the plane lands and it's time to disembark. Everyone's getting up, pulling their bags down from the overhead. And I'll just look and see that my bag is like five rows of seats away. And then someone will see me looking and they'll, oh, can I get it for you? And they get the bag and they pass it to me. They don't know that somehow or other the super soul has allowed them to engage in devotional service. They have no idea. But this is how Shraddha starts. Even unknowing rendering of devotional service. Brings about more opportunity. And this is why devotees of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu are very dedicated to providing portals, gateways, Doorways for people to associate with devotees and engage in devotional service. We're trying this way. We're trying that way. Because that's our service to Lord Chaitanya and Lord Nityananda. Once, as I was explaining Sunday, once we become established in appreciating the deity, the arch of Vigraha, then we've made our beginning as Kanishtadakaris, as third-class devotees. Sometimes it's said by Srila Prabhupada that Kanishtadakari, who simply focuses on the deity in the temple, often doesn't know how to appreciate advanced Vaishnavas and has no desire 
to engage others in devotional service. So sometimes he says that Kinnastadakari, third class devotee, is actually not a devotee. It's Bhaktabhash, shadow of a devotee. Shadow indicates something real exists, but still it's a shadow. So, the whole point of worshiping the deity is to develop the spiritual strength to go to the second class platform, Majjhamadakai, who has compassion. As you know, the second class devotee, which is a big category, sees four things. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, Ishwar, the bhaktas, the devotees, those who are not devotees but who are innocent, blindly following the way of material life, and he or she sees those who are inimical. As followers of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Lord Nityananda, we want to be full-fledged devotees, which means to be a full-fledged Madhyamadakari. Uttamadakari, very rare, Pallad Maharaj. When Pallad Maharaj's father was torturing him because Pallad saw everyone as equal in terms of being servitors of the Supreme Personality Godhead, Prahlad thought his father was playing with him. Still, as I explained on Sunday, when Prahlad is preaching to his schoolmates at the Asura Kula, he was making distinctions about those who are in illusion and those who are not. So he was acting in that way on the second class platform. To experience how dynamic the material energy is takes knowledge because otherwise we'll be perpetually fooled into thinking this material world is just stable and static and just waiting for me to take what I need and get what I want. And sometimes there are problems that appear, but basically we will overcome. That's not possible. The material energy is constantly fluctuating, constantly changing. The modes of nature are in competition with one another. It's a very insecure place very unstable place, very volatile place, but we don't see it in that way. Why? Because our vision is contaminated by hopes to enjoy material resources. So because of that hope to enjoy material resources, we don't see the magic show. <laughs> just check the core of your heart and feel the desire for just everything to be nice, and there'll be peaceful material enjoyment, things will mostly work out, and 
My life will go on and on, la-di-da. Enjoying with my family, enjoying with my friends. Adding some religiosity on top, sprinkle a little dharma on top. <laughs> and that will be life. So because of this expanding spirit of material enjoyment, we don't see our dangerous position. And then when danger comes to us in particular, then we get shaken up. When it comes to someone else who's not related to us, who's not a family member, who's not a friend, well, that's th these things happen. But when, it hap when something happens to us or someone related to us, then we're totally disturbed. Oh, how could this happen? When same thing goes on with someone distant from us, eh, that's, these things happen in life. But for us, oh no. And then if we're Kanishtadakaris, third class devotees, what do we do when some tribulation happens to us? Oh Krishna, why are you doing this to me? I've done a little service. Every week I put something in the hundi. Uh, why are you doing this to me? But the example of Prahlad Maharaj shows that even for the Mahabhagavat, even for the Uttamadakari, there are challenges and tribulations. But the difference is that such most exalted devotees never forget Krishna in any circumstance. Like Prahlad Maharaj, he's Nitya Siddha. He, through all the tribulations, that his father threw at him. Prahlad never forgot the Supreme Personality Godhead. So the ordinary perception just looks at the tribulations that a devotee goes through and doesn't see how the internal response of a first-class devotee is unwavering remembrance of Krishna. We can't stop the material world with its tribulations. But we can change our response to those tribulations. And the changing of that response is what makes for a real devotee. But sometimes we think, now that I've become a devotee, the material world will, will present no more challenges, no more tribulations. No, the very nature of the material world itself is challenge, tribulation, So again, we discuss the mutual expansion of the devote, no, of the conditioned soul's desire to enjoy and the material world's expanding into the consciousness of the conditioned soul. So we were about to say in the very beginning how it seems a paradox that can never be resolved. The verse quoted in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu and Chaitanya Charitamrita, Atat Sri Krishna Namadi Nabhaved Gayam Indrai Sevan Mukhi Jivadao Swayam Eva No one with their material grasping 
of their mind and senses can approach the name, form, qualities, and pastimes of Krishna. No one who has that material enjoying spirit. But, seva mukhi jivada. By having the Sevanmukhi attitude, inclination to devotional service, by becoming absorbed in that inclination to serve Krishna, what happens? Krishna reveals himself on your tongue and in your ears. But it can't come from your side. So the paradox is, we think, well, no one with a material enjoying spirit can actually approach the name, form, qualities, and pastimes of Krishna. So we're doomed because to be a conditioned soul means enjoying spirit. So how are we ever going to approach Krishna? <laughs> our essence, our material essence is material enjoying spirit. I want to enjoy the material resources. I want the material world to present its nice face to me, not its catastrophes. Catastrophes are for the others, but for me, I want a nice situation. But, Seva Mukhi Jivada. Jiva Goswami says, Seva Mukhi certainly means it's an established fact. He explains that word in that way. He means an established, well-known fact. It's nothing secret. By wrapping yourself up in devotional service, even though you have an enjoying you have a material enjoying spirit, Krishna decides to reciprocate, and from his side, he arranges to appear to your senses. But from your side, you can't do it. So the paradox is resolved from Krishna's side because you are doing devotional service and you're increasing your inclination to serve. Then, even though you are a conditioned soul with this enjoying spirit, I'll reveal myself to your tongue and to your ears. I'll allow you to approach me because of your inclination to be enwrapped in devotional service. So that's another way of expansion. That is Krishna expanding his devotional shakti into your life in spite of the infection of expanding desires for material enjoyment. Of course, the bhakti lifestyle, when properly followed, holds those material desires in check. And it stops them and then gradually eradicates them. So as we become more mature in bhakti, we realize what we're dealing with. You can remember perhaps the 11th canto and the 
history of the Hamsa Avatar. The Hamsa Avatar is one of the less known uh, avatars. Uh, Rupa Goswami in Lagu Bhagavatamrita and the Charyas commentating on the section describing Hamsa Avatar say, you can it's a minor incarnation in terms of invisible impact. Of course, no incarnation of the Lord is, is uh, diminutive or inconsequential. But in terms of overall invisible impact, that's the point, visible impact, the Hamsavatar is more obscure, shall we say. Sometimes we think that these avatars, and even Krishna himself, even Lord Chaitanya himself, they just suddenly appear out of nowhere. But they're always there. It's just from time to time, they become manifest to our vision. But they're always there. <laughs> Sometimes they seem to appear from parents, like Vasudeva and Devaki, Shachi Devi and Jagannath Misha. Sometimes they seem to appear out of nowhere, like the Hamsavadar. <laughs> but they're always present. It's just that from time to time, they make themselves visible. What's already existing becomes visible. It's not that suddenly out of nowhere, Krishna appears, his avatars appear. So the Hums avatar appeared to clarify an issue that even Lord Brahma could not resolve because of Lord Brahma's absorption in creative activities. Even though he's the most exalted person in the universe, we don't say that intelligent human beings are a recent development. How could anyone think that now? <laughs> As he, the intelligent human beings destroy their own habitat and threaten each other with nuclear annihilation. It is not that in life began in very crude and unintelligent life forms. No, the Shastra says the first created being is the most intelligent and the most exalted. But because Brahma was absorbed in creative activity, he couldn't focus in some kind of way. And so when the four Kumaras presented him a question, he couldn't answer. He was momentarily stymied. So this discussion between Lord Brahma and the four Kumaras is being relayed by Krishna to Uddhava. Because Uddhava is asking Krishna a very practical question, of course. He says, let's look at what goes on in material existence. The senses of the conditioned soul are always running to the sense objects. You all know what that's like. And the sense objects are always lodging themselves in the mind of the conditioned soul. So it's two-way traffic going on all the time. It's a loop. So Uddhava's question is, how can self-realization ever be possible? 
constantly your senses are running to the sense objects, constantly the sense objects are burying themselves in your mind, how can anyone truly become self-realized? So Krishna told him that this same question was presented to Lord Brahma by his sons, the four Kumaras. And Lord Brahma was puzzled. You would think Lord Brahma would easily immediately answer, but somehow or other due to his engagement in creative activities, his mind wasn't focused or he wasn't able to answer. And therefore, to aid Lord Brahma, the Hamsa avatar appeared, the swan incarnation of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And the swan incarnation clarified that, yes, this is the process of material life. The senses are running toward the sense objects. The sense objects are, from their side, burying themselves in your consciousness. Materially, it's impossible to stop this, materially. I like the explanation by Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur that this universe is an arena for the material mind to dance. <laughs> you can just feel your material mind cavorting and dancing and <laughs> just like the, the dancing we saw in the drama on Sunday. <laughs> That's what our mind does. <laughs> of course, we don't drink we don't drink alcohol, we don't run around with alcohol bottles in our hand, but the mind runs around like that and cavorts and jumps and frolics and <laughs> so Vishnath Chakravarti Thakur says this universe is like a facility, it's an arena for the mind to dance. <laughs> so again, how does one ever become Krishna conscious, how is it possible to make spiritual advancement when the mind is always doing its dance, jumping and twisting and shouting? And <laughs> so what is the answer that Hamsavatar gave? He explained that there's only one way out. You have to fix your mind on the Supreme Personality of Godhead and his service. You can't solve the problem on, its, on the material level. Impossible. Albert Einstein is said to have said that a problem is never solved on the same level that it originates. Well, he didn't know, but the full purport of what he was saying means you can't solve the problem of material existence on the material level. You have to go above it. So Hamsavatar is explaining to Lord Brahma and Lord Brahma's followers that you focus your mind on the Supreme Personality Godhead, his name, form, qualities, and pastimes, his service, and then you've jumped above the whole unsolvable loop. So at least let us understand that you can't solve the loop materially. Often devotees become disturbed. Oh, I've been chanting for 10 years, 20 years, and still this loop is going on. 
But it, if you've been properly following the bhakti process, that loop starts to diminish in its ferocity. And the more that we take shelter of Krishna, the more we see this process works, this bhakti process works. You see great hope that if I just keep going, gradually this loop will fade more and more into the background. So therefore our whole bhakti process is about taking more shelter of Krishna, taking more shelter of Krishna's service. That is the clear path for victory. So after explaining this and giving very elaborate descriptions of the process of material entanglement, what the mind, what the senses do, the three phases of consciousness, wakefulness, dreaming, and deep sleep, and how they are just aspects of material illusion, because actually for the spirit soul, there's no wakefulness, dreaming, and deep sleep. Hamsavatar is giving very wonderful descriptions of this, which act on your intelligence to free you from material existence. Because the modes of nature, this is a very important point, made by Krishna to Uddhava and repeated by the Hamsavatar to Brahma. The modes of material nature act only on your material intelligence. They don't touch the spirit soul. So therefore, educating yourself in the bhakti knowledge is so important. Because by doing that, you're fortifying purifying your intelligence, which is where the modes of nature are attacking. They f attack your intelligence, and then you start thinking wrongly. I am this body, I am the mind, the material world has resources for me to enjoy. This is all misconception caused by the modes of material nature, which don't touch the spirit soul. So this is our way out of an impossible situation. Anantadeva, Lord Anantadeva, is going to give his instruction to Chitraketu, and then at the end of this chapter, Lord Anantadeva will disappear. Similarly, the Hamsavatar will give his instruction and disappear. Does that mean they go out of existence? No, they disappear from ordinary vision. So in Srimad Bhagavatam, you'll see constantly appearances and disappearances of the Supreme Personality of Godhead in his original form, in various expansions, plenary expansions. And in this way, our spiritual life, by hearing from them, when we hear from them, our spiritual life is made completely possible. All right, any questions? Yes. Hare Krishna. Start from the beginning. 
um, you spoke about our expansion through devotional service. Um, I wanted to ask if you could suggest some self-assessment tools which we can, uh, where we can analyze ourselves or how much we can expand on a daily level, like how much we should push ourselves for devotional service. Are we doing enough or are we doing too much? You can also rest for Krishna, you know. <laughs> what is Krishna saying, Bhagavad Gita? You can't be a yogi if you eat too much or eat too little, sleep too much or sleep too little. So you have to take care of your mechanism, your material body, so that it can engage effectively in Krishna's service. But you don't want to overdo your resting, your thinking, how can I rest just enough so that my service will be maximized? How can I rest just enough so that I don't doze when I'm chanting Hare Krishna? So everything you do, you're eating, you're sleeping, even if you're a householder, your procreative functions are all with Krishna's service in mind. So you say, how do you judge everything you're doing? Just see how it contributes or not to Krishna's service. Eat for Krishna's pleasure. Sleep for Krishna's pleasure. And of course, we want, as we progress in bhakti, we want to minimize the eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. So as long as you're always asking yourself, how does this contribute to Krishna's pleasure, there's a gulf, there's a gap between material life and you. The material life is always expanding, as we hear in this verse, but there's a barrier put up between you and the expanding material energy, and that barrier is there by your thinking. How can Krishna best be served? Anything else? Yes. Hare Krishna, Swamiji. Uh, how to observe the mind in the lotus feet of Krishna all the time? Because Rupa Goswami says the same thing. Always remember Krishna, never forget him. Have some service that's dominating your life. <laughs> and then, even at the time of death, if you're going through such physical derangement and mental derangement, Krishna remembers your service and he forces himself into your mind. Jai. Krishna is not ungrateful. <laughs> who was it you read in Nectar Devotion who, uh, it was Jambavan who in some way pleased Krishna and countless bursts later Krishna appeared and married his daughter. What was he doing previously? Who remembers from Nectar Devotion? No one remembers. <laughs> he did something to please the Supreme Personality Goddess. 
And many births later, Krishna reciprocates by marrying his daughter. Who's that, Jambavati? <laughs> so, would you ever be so grateful that <laughs> you don't forget something someone did many births ago? Because we forget what someone did yesterday. <laughs> and I've heard that in family life, if one of the spouses doesn't show enough gratitude, that's the start of the Third World War, right? <laughs> but here, Krishna can remain grateful after countless appearances by Jambavan. This is cited in Nectar Devotion as an example of how steadfast Krishna is to reciprocating with his devotees. So sometimes we think that uh, I do all this service, but Krishna never reciprocates. We have to educate our eyes to see how Krishna is dealing with us. That takes knowledge. Knowledge of the science of bhakti. Otherwise, we'll be sentimental religionists. I'm worshiping God. Now what will God do for me? Just like many of you, when you were taking your exams in India, you just, your parents told you, right? Go to the temple of Saraswati and do some puja, right? <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't know. You just said, well, whatever may work, may work. <laughs> I'll give it a go. It costs a few hundred rupees or something. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it works out. <laughs> so that's a Kanishtadakari, third-class devotee who worships the Lord for material purposes and can only understand uh, his or her relationship with the Supreme Personality of God in terms of exchange of material benefits. <laughs> but with bhakti knowledge, and that's why so many of you are studying Srila Prabhupada's books, with bhakti knowledge, we elevate our intelligence and we understand how Krishna reciprocates. Remember, in the previous chapter, Angira Rishi came to Chitraketu to, in, a, in the midst of Chitraketu's total anxiety. I don't have a son. I don't have a son. I must have a son. I must have a son. And Angira Rishi came and gave him a benediction that he would have a son. And so Chitraketu was thinking, oh, that's, that's like the purpose of the sages. <laughs> they have fulfilled their function. They've given me a material blessing. I'll have a son. Okay. <laughs> this is spiritual life. <laughs> But no, it wasn't. And Angira Rishi waited until disaster struck and knowing that now the king will listen to Mahavidya, the great knowledge. And he brought with him Narada Muni. So in this way, Chitraketu's spiritual understanding went to another level beyond what we would call prosperity religion. 
Oh, Lord, please buy me a Mercedes Benz. <laughs> My friends all drive BMWs. I must make amends. <laughs> So in this way, my friends all have investment properties in Albert Park. I, I must do something. <laughs> of course, householders, they, they have to do what they need to do to have a stable economic base. But that's not the function of bhakti. Bhakti means, let me organize my life so that I can do as much service as possible. Some householders are thinking, if I work hard now, I'll be able to retire early and do lots of service once I retire. But just make sure that you don't over-endeavor now and jeopardize your spiritual life just because of the hope of engaging in Krishna's service more after retiring. Don't risk your spiritual life now. What you're saying is aprehita, uh, unmotivated and Uninterrupted. Uninterrupted. That is the topmost standard. No material motivation. That means then no interruption because interruptions in our service are caused by material motivation. Anything else? Yes? Hare Krishna Maharaj, thank you for the wonderful class. Uh, not related in particular to the class, I wanted uh, if you could enlighten us, what are the few do's and don'ts for the Kartik month? <laughs> You're singing the Damodarashtik prayers every, every day? Yes. All right, very good. <laughs> Increase your hearing and chanting about Krishna. Yes. Can you pass her the microphone, please? Wikipedia, Maharaj, says that Jambavan. Just let me read. Jambavan helped Ram find his, find his wife, Sita, and to fight for her abduction. Uh, uh, oh, sorry, and fight her abductor, Ravana. It is he who makes Hanuman realize his immense capabilities and encourages him to fly across the ocean to, see, to search for Sita in Lanka. All right. Does it tell you, what, does Wikipedia tell you what nectar devotion says? Nectar devotion says what you said, Okay. All right, all glories to Wikipedia. <laughs> Anything else? Yes. Oh, Aniruddha Prabhu is here. I, I, <laughs> um, what is it that um, uh, people in general see? in the devotees that they're attracted to because you know, they know that a devotee's life is not always easy yet still they they're attracted to the qualities of the devotees and and uh, 
they they think by associating with the devotees they'll their material situation will improve you know it, even though they know the devotees life is a renounced life and may even be full of challenges still they're attracted to the devotees and they think that by serving them that somehow they'll be materially benefited it's true that your material problems will diminish by devotional service that is true but it's not the main purpose why we engage in devotional service it's a side effect but it is true that's why when a devotee goes through tribulations he doesn't she doesn't blame Krishna he thinks ordinarily by my true allotment of karmic reaction I should be suffering much more but Krishna has kindly reduced it so people are right to think that chanting Hare Krishna engaging in bhakti will reduce their material challenges just like the example Prabhupada gives the fan is turning you pull the plug out of the fan when you take initiation you're officially pulling the plug out of the fan but still there's some momentum from the past so the fan is turning on its own without an electric power but it will gradually slow down slow down and stop so there's a big difference we might say, well, there's no difference when, you, when the plug is in, the fan's turning. When the plug is out, the fan's turning. <laughs> no, no, there is a big difference. In bhakti, the plug is yanked out. And that means the blades are slowing down. They don't have the same impact as they would if the blades were turning when the plug is in, in the PowerPoint. So I, it's, sometimes it's debated amongst devotees. Should we tell people that by chanting Hare Krishna, you'll, the pandemic will stop? By chanting Hare Krishna, material conditions will be better? So I was listening to Prabhupada speaking in 1976 in Mayapur, and he was telling devotees because his leaders then were telling him, in this part of the world there's earthquakes, in this part of the world there's tsunamis, uh, so Prabhupada said, tell them that if they chant Hare Krishna, all this will go away. <laughs> but for devotees, we don't chant Hare Krishna. For a real devotee, we don't chant Hare Krishna, so our material problems go away. We chant Hare Krishna for engaging more in Krishna's service. This is how deep our bhakti science is. But we're not going to go around persecuting our members of the congregation if they think that. <laughs> Do you think that by chanting Hare Krishna, your material problems will be solved? <laughs> you have to start somewhere, just like Juva Maharaj did. <laughs> and note in the case of Chitraketu, how Angira Rishi waited until Chitraketu was in material distress because then he would listen. And then Narada Muni staged the reappearance of the departed child. It's Narada Muni's Sankirtan tactic. Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur says, Narada Muni knew, if I just myself speak the straight philosophy, the king may not listen so well. But if I have the philosophy come out of the mouth of the departed soul, 
Ah. <laughs> then Chutaketa will be so over, so impressed. So sometimes it's said that the departed soul came back into the body of, of the child and spoke. And sometimes it's said that Narada Muni was speaking through the body. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> the result is effective. Yes. As I say, she always says this. <laughs> I thank you for coming to class, even though you're going to school. <laughs> we are grateful for your presence. <laughs> you said, what's that? said that the persons in the material limb, realm, they don't have any inclination towards the form of Lord Krishna. But sometimes we see my friends that are not devotees at school, or the people we meet on the streets that are not devotees, they don't also have any inclination towards Krishna. So um, how, how will Krishna help them come to? How will Krishna help all these people, like at your school and who you see on the street, they have no inclination to serve Krishna? They're waiting for you. <laughs> you can start right now in some kind of way, just like Prahlad Maharaj. He was five years old, but he was in some kind of way engaging his friends in Krishna's service. So you think deeply about it and see how Krishna inspires you that maybe there's some way you can try to implant some interest in serving Krishna. Try in your own little way. <laughs> Just like Prabhupada appreciated so much when the daughter of, five-year-old daughter of one devotee would just walk up to people and say, do you know who Krishna is? <laughs> and then, of course, the person didn't know and she would tell them, he's the supreme personality of Godhead. So Prabhupada said, this is big preaching. <laughs> so you can do big preaching. <laughs> and maybe you think that what you're doing is so inconsequential, but someone will respond, just like I was explaining when I was, had to go to the Justice of Peace in St. Kilda uh, for some ISKCON documents. And I was just standing in front of the entryway of the building, and and people were passing by, and I was just casually talking with Bhagavad Gita, and I just, just, after a few moments of silence, I just, hey. that's all, I just said, hey. and then immediately someone walking by says, Hare Krishna. <laughs> <laughs> so that shows you the impact here in Melbourne that you're having. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it, I just, all I said was, I was dressed in regular clothes, and non-devotional clothes, and I just said, Hare. <laughs> so that's how famous the Hare Krishna mantra is. <laughs> so you do a little something, you discuss with your parents what, what you can do. <laughs> you can go out on the Harinam party, maybe you can distribute books in some kind of way, <laughs> but it's good you're thinking like this. This is what makes the difference between a Kanishtadakari, third-class devotee, and a second-class devotee. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay? Thank you very much. All right. What time is it? One last question. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Um, Maharaj, at the start you said that by practicing Krishna consciousness, everything else will be taken care of. Now, if somebody has that faith and not being careful with, you know, let's say financials or, or family affairs, how does that stack up in, in this statement? A devotee is expert, so whatever you have, you take care of for the purpose of living a bhakti lifestyle and engaging in Krishna's service. You're not, you're not irresponsible in your dealings because you want to engage in Krishna's service. If you're a householder, you have to take care of your family. Just like Bhaktivinoda Thakur in one of his songs says, Oh Krishna, I will certainly engage in a livelihood to maintain your family. That's the big difference, your family. I'll be like a dog outside the door of your house, of your family, protecting your house, your family. A completely different consciousness. Therefore, Shuddha Bhakata Chadanarenu. Bhaktivinoda Thakur in that song describes how he's doing arati in his home and his whole home turns into Goloka Vrindavan. That's the peak potential. <laughs> so a devotee is Daksha, expert, because he knows, she knows everything is Krishna's energy. Certainly the family is Krishna's energy. But how not to overdo it and how not to underdo it, that takes spiritual intelligence. All right, thank you very much, Hare Krishna.